Go fuck yourself, Eric Garcetti. This is Corey, and this is the Other Anthem Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob, and we're just lucky Corey made it back to his seat in time. (laughs) (laughs) This is episode 348 of the Other Anthem Podcast, coming to you from all over Los Angeles, but uh, Los Angeles, California. And, of course, uh, Corey is there at the studio, high above the Mm -hmm. 110 freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for listening on your podcast of choice. The easiest way, anchor.fm forward slash Other Anthem. Direct links to all the podcast apps there are, and uh, you just click, go to... Uh, anchor.fm forward slash show the anthem find the one to the podcaster you listen to and you're good to go yep all right so let's jump right in right now mm-hmm. uh i know that you i i, I was trying to mess with cory during our pre-show call about how much uh anybody cares about the uh, warner brothers thing but uh you got some news from warner brothers right is that, that that's basically the, my understanding i mean i i think that if you're talking about hollywood people a lot of people are talking about what's going on with warner brothers and hbo max right now well i mean and- i live in hollywood Corey. i don't know any of these folks who say they are from hollywood they're not hollywood people they don't live here i live here <laughs> So you don't, so you haven't you haven't been uh, keeping your ear to the ground on this sort of thing. I mean, I have, uh, and I think my reaction is the appropriate one, which is, meh. Okay. Well, uh, from people who are behind the camera, I, I will say that the reaction is not quite the same. But we'll get into it here. Uh, basically, what Warner Brothers has decided to do is they're going to go day and date uh, with their entire 2021 slate uh, of all the movies they're planning on releasing in 2021 will be. Uh, available for one month on HBO Max on the same day that they'll be available in theaters. And then following that, uh, they will go into like the paid VOD space where like you can rent it from iTunes and stuff like that before it would be DVD and then eventually back to HBO Max and stuff like that. But uh, a lot of people, especially filmmakers, uh, directors, actors, and uh, people who finance these movies are not too happy with the, the decision of Warner Brothers here to put all these movies on HBO Max and sort of limit its ability to make money in the theaters because a lot of these people get back end on that. And it's yeah, very and important for a lot of them. Specifically, where I found out that Corey was a socialist, that he is not about capitalism and making as much money for the people who own the thing as possible, but he's about spreading the wealth to all of the people. That's, that's the thing I learned. And, and you know, more power to you. I'm glad to hear Corey that you've become a socialist. It's not that so much. It's just that like, so for instance, uh, uh, some, one of the movies that's going to be released on HBO max is in the Heights, which is the Lynn Manuel Miranda, uh, play the one that happened right before Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and John Chu is going to be, is directed that one. And John Chu had the opportunity to make a movie with Netflix But he said to himself when he took on this job that it was very important that he go with a studio who could release this in theaters because this is this is a story that's worthy of being told on a big screen and stuff like that. It it should be a big tentpole type movie. Okay. Uh, John Chu took less money to make the movie with Warner Brothers than he would have with Netflix because Netflix knows that there's no back end on a Netflix property. You don't get more money if more people stream it. You might get another job because a lot of people stream it and you prove that you're worthy to the company in that regard, but you won't get more money because, you know, Hubie Halloween did way better than expected. You know, <laughs> so uh, and if it was a, a movie that's in a movie theater, directors, star actors, they get points on the back end. So if you mm-hmm. have a hundred million dollar movie, you know, rather than paying Will Smith, who is starring in King Richard, which is also being relaxed, released on HBO Max. Instead of paying him 
$30 million, just to throw out a weird number, $30 million for what he might do for a Netflix movie. He'll do $20 million on a Warner Brother movie because he'll know that he'll make $20 million in back end on the other side, 10 to $20 so million dollars in back end. What it sounds like is some really wealthy people made some bad bets. So I feel like this is the perfect opportunity for the U.S. government to step in and just bail all these people out and give them uh, – you know, some sort of recompense for it's, their losses. It's not bad bets. It's just that they were all uh, hornswoggled, for lack of a better term. They were they were all uh, being told that these are going to be movies that will be released in theaters and have none of the none of the people who were involved in any of these movies were talked to prior to this decision being made. And it sort of came on the heels of Wonder Woman 1984 being announced as being available on Christmas Day on HBO Max rather than being in theaters. At any, I mean, it will still be in theaters on Christmas Day for where there are theaters open in this country or around Very the world. Very few places yeah. by, that, by that time, probably. But, I mean, like, it's it's uh, it, it seems like a one a one uh, it seems like a problem for for one uh, time, not Just the whole slate. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, listen, like, we got to keep the DC universe together. We got to keep Wonder Woman this year because we're moving on to stuff next year and we can't keep backing everything up. Yeah. So real quick, let me just run through the movies here real quick. Okay, uh, the ahead. ones that are on the slate and that way uh, people know what we're talking about. Uh, just in no particular order. Uh, I think this might be an order of release, but who knows? Uh, Mortal Kombat, In the Heights, Tom and Jerry, Godzilla versus Kong, Space Jam, Suicide Squad, Dune, Elvis, King Richard, Matrix the Four, Matrix Four, and uh, a couple other movies beyond that. But these are huge high-end properties. Like Dune and Suicide Squad are expected to be movies that probably made hundreds of million dollars of box office. And you know, people like Denis Villeneuve of uh, Dune were probably expecting the theater experience, regardless of how long it took to get Dune out into theaters. You can make an argument, I guess, that uh, Wonder Woman 84, because if you keep backing that up, then you can't start making other DC properties. Especially Wonder Woman, because you can't make the next one until you get this one out and see how it does. Right. Guess, or, or like, just get it, you know, like there, there's a, a an element of uh, you're sort of catching the river midstream with these things because they've already planned for the next like five years of dc movies so if you push everything back then it means you're pushing something five years from now back again you know well but can you say the same pushing thing about aquaman suicide squad? four back you know couldn't you say the same thing about about suicide squad and and in its own way dune because they think that that's going to be the competitor to star wars it was always meant to be the competition to star wars i mean i i think with suicide squad you could probably make the same sort of argument i i don't know what benefit you i mean like other than sitting on the property and not being able to make any money off of it until you get closer to an eventual uh theater opening you know like a lot of these movies feel like they could have sat you know i don't i don't think anyone so king richard the one with will smith that's about uh mm -hmm. venus and serena williams father yeah, yeah like there's not like a ticking clock on like everyone's making th that same movie and it's like we got to get first to market or something like that like you'd be okay like sitting on this one for Three, I mean, so or you, three, three quarters or something like that, and just releasing it Christmas time next year. You say that, except for as we know, the rule is if somebody's doing one in Hollywood, somebody else is also doing one, and maybe they have it, they're ready to go, and if they wait, 
then that project that's been just sitting in turnaround uh, over at Universal or uh, you know at Sony is going to get pushed through. And now we have two Serena and Venus movies coming out at the same time because they were like, you know what, we got time. We can get this in because they're going to push it to 2022. So I mean, shoot it over the summer. I mean, you could, but then you'd have to figure out a way to shoot it during COVID restrictions and stuff like that. Like, it, it's just it's, stuff's getting shot right now. Yeah, stuff that needs to get shot. That's the that's the difference. Like, you know, like CSI Miami waits for no man. Like, they have to they have to have say, new episodes of that, or else people will just freak out. Like shot. the uh, the NCIS series are getting shot. Chicago Fire, like anything Dick Wolf or that sounds like it might be Dick Wolf is getting shot right now. So how is that I mean, only what needs to be shot? I mean, network TV is what what is basically being shot right now. There is some. Uh, cable properties that are, are being shot here and there. Uh, they're trying to get through movies, but it's always, uh, unless you're talking about, uh, uh, fuck, uh, in Atlanta. God damn it. Tyler, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. Uh, yep. Tyler Perry did the full, full bubble for all his cast and crew. So he's been pretty, pretty safe down there, but everywhere else, like Jurassic Park got shut down a couple times. I think, uh, Mission Impossible, I think got shut down. Uh, all these big movies that are trying to find some sort of way to get through are all getting shut down every once in a while for a, a positive COVID test. And basically, you know, like uh, on a set, if somebody gets sick and they're anywhere close to anyone else, then the whole thing gets put on hold for a little bit. Yeah. So so what's the lesson? The lesson is that the NBA NHL style bubbles, what Tyler Perry's doing is the way to make movies now. So we make movies. I mean, for the time being, yes. I mean, that that, that would be the best way of doing it. But then. You have to have money for that. That's the that's the real problem. That's the that's the thing that is separating like uh, movie theater, you know, movie studios like Warner Brothers and Disney and stuff like that. They could figure out a way to try and make a, a Jurassic Park shoot get through and stuff like that. But an indie is not going to be able to do that. And in, uh, indie movies are just on ice right now. And if you're, you watch if you're a TV show that's not on network television, then you're kind of on ice, too. So it, it's kind of a weird world where only the top end projects are being made at the moment. Uh, and there's some things that are happening on the independent level, but it's really uh, touch and go. Did, did you watch Mank this weekend? I did. Yeah. So it reminds me of Louis V. Mayer talking about the millions of dollars that they waste on stuff and then going out to the crew and being like, everybody needs to, to, <laughs> to watch themselves. We're taking cuts across the board. Everybody's losing money. And it's like, oh, it, yeah, you're claiming poverty. Yeah, but are you really right? And and I mean this this move from HBO, and I think your argument during the pre-show discussion was like, oh well, people aren't going to want to go work for them. They're never they're going to have nothing there. Well, um, I mean, like specifically Christopher Nolan, one of yeah. our one of our highest regarded directors. Right. Uh, now. His quote was, yeah. "It's very, 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 very messy." A real bait and switch. Yeah, it's sort of not how you treat filmmakers and stars and people who. These guys have given a lot for these projects. They deserve to be consulted and spoken to about what was going to happen to their work. Uh, and, and I think Chris and Nolan, Nolan... Nolan specifically went to Warner Brothers to do Tenet because they said they would give him a theatrical opening. They promised him a theatrical opening. Uh, yeah. They wouldn't just shove it on HBO Max. They'd, they'd give it a proper chance to to have a run in theaters. And, uh, you know, he, he he's he's very serious about that because... He believes in the movie theater experience. Like that's why he shoots IMAX. That's why he 
he always tells people go see this in a theater because it, it's a, an experience meant for a big screen you know i think chris nolan is suffering under the same issue that you're suffering under you think you're creating pieces of art and in some cases you are christopher nolan does a really great job making a movie that is a piece of art but are you in the art business no i mean we're in the movie business and the most important part of that phrase is the business we are in the business of show or the business of movies and so i'm sorry that you mr creator don't get to create and put out the thing you want but that's kind of what the deal is you took a you took a uh, position, you took a role, you took whatever you took under the understanding that something was going to go some way. Is it contractually obligated? No. Well, then me being a businessman, see, but that's the problem. Business decision. That's the problem. The the uh, there is not not anyone saying that this is not part of the co- contract that's already set in place, because a lot of these <laughs> a lot of these agents who negotiate these contracts sort of put in there like listen if you put us on streaming or if this does not go to theaters then my client gets x amount or some sort of penalty happens or we have the ability to pull out of the movie or you know like whatever the case may be there's Sounds options like available he's a better agent i don't know no, but I, what i'm saying now is that is available i think what i'm saying now is that like warner brothers better enjoy these 17 movies that they're going to be putting on hbo max because they're going to have a real hard time getting high-end talent to come make more movies of Warner Brothers, and that's what they really need if they're trying to get the HBO Max service off the ground here, you know? Fair enough. Uh, Now, I do want to make one counter-argument to what you were saying, because I'm looking at this list of movies that you put together. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mortal Kombat, from this list, Mortal Kombat, Tom and Jerry, Godzilla vs. Kong, Space Jam, Suicide Squad, Dune, and Matrix 4. Yeah. So, of the ones that you listed, all but two of those are probably going to be new franchise properties or they're at least trying to make them franchise properties. Mm-hmm. Right? Like um, Mortal Kombat has been a struggle to find a way to make that video game into a movie that people will relate to, that we can make sequels to. Yeah. So the hope is to do that. Uh, same thing with Tom and Jerry is, you know, basically a franchise that you're going to try to continue to make more movies from. Uh, Godzilla versus uh, Kong is two franchises. You're trying to mold together because they're building this like, fighting monsters universe that they want to have or whatever. Um, so all of these things are franchises. So you're telling me the head of the Warner brothers that I need to put my future expenses and my future profits on hold because of a couple of people who made something that they thought was art when they forgot it was a business that I was paying this, for. This is not, this is beyond the, this is art and business though on the, the other side of the camera. And that's the real problem. Because you're, this is very short-sighted on – it's great for the consumer. If you are somebody who subscribes to HBO Max, then you're going to say to yourself, for the price of a movie ticket, I'm getting I'm a get brand-new movie every single month, plus the yep. HBO catalog, plus TMC and DC and blah, blah, blah. Go down yep. the list of all the things that HBO Max has. It's good. But, like, <laughs> what you're what you're going to find HBO is, Max. is you're going to have – you're going to have yourself uh, – in a real situation here because you know like uh, say you don't get any of the stars who are in suicide squad to return for the sequel because of how you treated them with the hbo max 
unfortunately, they're contractually obligated to return for the sequel. So... But they might be contractually obligated for a feature released in theaters. That's part of the that's part of the thing. This is this is something that's wit- written into contracts. So, the, yeah, so t- take, take really another example here. One one I know have. for sure. Godzilla vs. Kong, right? It's a co-production mm-hmm. between Legendary and Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers yeah. is the one who is basically uh, distributing the flick, and they've also put in money towards the production. But Legendary owns the rights to Godzilla vs. Kong. So if you piss off Legendary and no, keep wait, wait, them wait. Be- from being able to get the money that they thought they'd be able to get on their hundreds of millions of dollars worth of investment, then they might say, fuck you, we're taking Godzilla vs. Kong to Disney or to Sony or to... They Paramount own the rights or whatever. to one of those characters. Warner Brothers owns the rights to the other one. That's how they're bringing it together. I don't think Possibly. Legendary owns the rights to both. It's like they hey, might so own it for Godzilla or Kong. I know yeah, that. So I know that Legendary's like basically the main producer on this one. Yeah, and I think that that Warner Brothers also knows we're not good at this. We apparently we cannot put together a franchise to save our lives. So if you think you can do it, these two characters have fought before when it when it was somebody else's IP. Now we own one. You own one. We're going to loan you our IP. Uh, you make the movie and we'll distribute it. And now it's a joint project and we're doing a whole thing. I mean, imagine imagine for an instance you got hired on as a manager at a, at a work, right? Uh, you're mm-hmm. going to be the manager at this McDonald's, just to make it easy. Yeah. Uh, and then every day you go in and the, the owner-operator of the place is sort of doing all the managerial stuff. So you end up just doing like line cook stuff, you know? But okay. you still have the yeah. title of manager. And they still say they're going to pay you as a manager. Right. But then right before they, you know, give you your paycheck, they say, eh, you didn't really do manager work this week. So we're going to pay you for line cook work instead. You'd say that's fucked up. We had an agreement as to how this was going to go. And now you're hamstringing me financially based off of a decision that you made that I had no part in. The difference is, though, and if you were if you were another if you were another if you were in this position, you would say, "Fuck you guys! I'm not coming back to work next week because you you mistreat me like this." Except and, for in that position, I have negotiated a salary per week, and there are people, and historically there has been a situation where you go to a studio and you get paid by the week. You get the same paycheck every single week, and you go to work every single week, right? Mm-hmm. That was a studio system, and we've gone away from that. Yeah. So, listen. If you want to make sure that you are going to make money that's guaranteed, then come work for Universal, and we're going to pay you $12,000 a week. Uh, that'll be what? Uh, $1.2 million in a year? $12,000 a week? Yeah, something like that. $1.2 million. Uh, so then I have a guaranteed paycheck. Otherwise, you do what I do, which is you get a contract that says, this is how much I make every single week. And yeah. you sign it, and I sign it. And then I'm guaranteed to make that much every single week. Or for this project, I'm going to come in, you're going to pay me $1 million, and however long it takes me, it takes me. Okay, great. Now I, as the artiste, can decide how long that's going to be. But if the contract doesn't say it has to be distributed a certain way, now it may in the future, all the ones in the future, they're going to argue about the feature release contract. I I, I imagine we had 17 movies that are up for release. I imagine we're going to see at least 10 lawsuits based off of contract language. I guess we'll see. Because this is not the type of thing that they would... uh, they would they would give up, you know, like if you're if you're making an investment in a movie like this, a lot of places have a have a a guarantee that it will be given its theatrical window. Yeah, And, and, and I mean, maybe... it, again, you know, like if you're if you're a filmmaker, you're getting paid more to go to Netflix, not because 
streaming is thought of less than a movie theater experience. I mean, it is to in the eyes of like every Some director. People. Every director would rather it be on a movie theater than on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. And because you can make more mo- money if the movie is successful in the theater, Netflix has to pay more to factor in that amount of money before you know. It, they signed Adam Sandler to a huge contract to make multiple <laughs> right. movies for them. Adam Sandler was making the same kind of money on these new Netflix movies that he was making when he was, you know, the water boy and stuff like that. Fresh when, out he, of SNL. Yeah. when he was making yeah. the biggest bucks of his entire career, he is not worth that on the open market, but he's <laughs> worth that at Netflix because Netflix knows we pay a bunch him, of dumb people watch their shit. And they we pay him and- more than than people think that he's worth up front. And then we own it forever. And we never yeah. have to worry. We never have to give Sandler another dime for this movie. We've paid him up front. And that and, model works right now, but it won't work forever. And especially with the economic downturn that is inevitably coming with a Democratic administration, we always get a, a downturn in the economy. We'll see if it continues for the next four years. I mean, but, I, I, at the end of the day, the, the major studios are going to find a way to make movies eventually. Like, yeah. once it's safe to do so, production will pick back up. And I don't know if you want to be saying to yourself, we want to make movies for the next decade or so without christopher nolan without quentin tarantino without scorsese without all the let big me, name me, all is... the big name directors who are and all the big name stars all the leos and the, the tom hanks and all these people who are going to say no i'm not going to let you do this to me and so, are and, going and to put specific language say, in the contract that will keep that this is what i want to ask you before yeah what are the give me five names of the biggest directors right now five names I mean, I just went through Nolan, Spielberg. Spielberg, let's say. Spike so, Lee, so Scorsese, Denis Villeneuve, Coen okay. Brothers. I'm not going to count Vinny Villeneuve or whoever. Uh, and um, I mean, he's doing Dune. That's, that's why I was thinking about it. But Yeah, and, and I think that he, he got an opportunity with Dune the same way that uh, Josh uh, uh, Trank got a chance. With oh, the, no, no. Villeneuve is a, is a big name. That's, that's a the, he's From what? uh mad max or not mad max uh what's the other uh fuck god damn it uh blade runner the new blade runner he did that one oh didn't even what know up? that yeah you know who i knew was on that movie who roger deakins i knew roger <laughs> deakins was on that movie you know that it, who the director was but let's go through a couple of those names because you say spielberg scorsese and quentin tarantino right yeah why are they big names and directors right now uh, because they were always big names. They came into the industry with a boom. They be, were huge names from the beginning. They were given hundreds of million dollars on their very first projects. No, totally to off to the races. No. Oh, because in the seventies, we had this opportunity to make a lot of small movies with unknown directors yeah. and the, the cream of the crop rose to the top. And now we have, we exalt them today. And there was this no-name actor who was playing a special needs kid in a movie in 1988. What was his name? Um, Leo. Oh, that's right. He was a fucking nobody. He wasn't a and nobody before, though. That's that's the, the. He was on a date. He was on a soap opera before he was on Gilbert Grape. That is a, who Leo is. Yeah, but I mean, like it, it. It was he was young. He was coming up. This is an opportunity to invest young in a. This is, this is a Millie Bobby Brown situation. It's not this like... Is, and that is exactly my point. That's my point, is that we have been... We've had the same crop of 15 directors who are the best directors ever, and once in a while somebody breaks in, and then like Josh Trank, who takes his art more seriously than the business, they shut the shit down, and they close him out, and now he's going to be out for good after uh, 
the, what the most recent one um god damn did a review on it um secretary or something like that no no uh the gangster movie um capone yeah. capone went straight to, to streaming with that, that was his big chance to get back in the box office and it went to streaming so so what i'm saying is let them let everybody who wants to make a real who thinks they are a big shit in hollywood go somewhere else and let warner go out and find the next tarantino the next robert rodriguez the next Scorsese, the next Spielberg, give them one million dollars and say, "Go make a movie." That that is a that is a super ambitious idea for something that will not work for. That takes a while. It's worked three times. Yep. Every three times we've had a new crop of directors, it's been because some company said we got to start all over. Or we are a new there company were, and we're starting out and we're giving everybody a little bit of money to go make good movies. It, it wasn't one studio who said, hey, there's a bunch of promising young filmmakers. We should all give them a nominal sum and let them make movies. That was spread out amongst many studios. And there were more okay. studios then. We had Fox then. We, you know, like we had we had different RKO. people who were. Yeah, we had different people who we were dropped playing. RKO in our conversation <laughs> earlier. And I was like, God damn you. I should have known you watched uh, Mank after you after dropped the R- that, RKO yeah. reference. Yeah. I was also uh, looking up theaters earlier, so that was part of, part of my but process. In the end, it's yes, there were there were more theaters then, and there should be there should be more studios. There should be more studios now. Like the fact that we're concentrating all of the movie business in the hands of three companies, three I mean, companies control everything now. We're we're basically what Warner Brothers is setting themselves up for is a situation a lot like the Orioles with the constant rebuild. It's like, let's bring in a new crop of young guys and maybe they can figure it out and put it together and win this thing. It doesn't yeah. work. If you if everyone is trying to find a a space in the low budget to to get a new crop of directors out there, then you can get a new crop of directors out there. But one studio alone is not going to be able to do it. And any of these people who have an opportunity to go literally anywhere else probably will. That's the thing. You know, well, like, it, like it, the it, Orioles. If you have if you have an option to get ten million dollars from Warner Bro- or uh, ten million dollars from Disney and twelve million dollars from Warner Brothers, you're probably just going to take the ten million from Disney and not have to worry about what you're going to go through. See, and I thought you were avoiding the hot takes that things that you're going to regret saying in a, in a year or two. But I guess we'll see. I guess maybe you're right. No, but I, I, was I say- mean, like you know, this this is a big stab for Warner's. Like you know, it, it's. If it works out well for them, if they if they are able to turn this into uh, a favorable Roku deal, mm-hmm. being able to put their their service on there, if they can turn HBO Max into something that I don't have to spend twenty minutes explaining to my mother, so she knows how to download it and get it, because she already has HBO and she's like, but I have HBO, don't I have HBO Max? I'm like, no, 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 it's a different service. Different it's thing. like, different but thing. I have HBO Go, and it's like that doesn't exist anymore. It's HBO Max <laughs> now, and she's like, I don't get it. I'm like, nobody does. <laughs> it's a very complicated process. The the at, at the end of the day, you're betting really hard that so many people are going to get HBO Max because they want to see all these movies that they're going to leapfrog over the three or four streaming services that are directly above them in Disney plus Netflix and prime Mm -hmm. that you're going to get into that market. You're going to get that many people that you can make that happen. And then you're going to be able to get a new crop of filmmakers and actors who are really popular immediately. Like, cause years 2022 through 20, 
28 are going to be real rough for Warner Brothers if this doesn't pan out the way they think it will. Hey, Warner, make me your head of talent because I got <laughs> access to this app that has a lot of people that young people really think are amazing on it. They, I got connections there. I can get you connected to them. We'll get you a new crop of stars. They already know about TikTok. What I was going to say is, much like the Orioles, if the Warner decides to go this way, they really only need one heavy hitter. And also, much like the Orioles, they got to just keep him off the drugs. If they keep him off the drugs, then he won't screw up the playoff potential of that particular year, and maybe they can do something with it. But, you know, got to worry about the heavy hitter I for mean, getting his prescription for the drugs. Warner Brothers is going to look like uh, the Orioles in the wake of a Chris Davis signing for a while here, unless things go really really well we i mean like the 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 one that is if we're making this a chris davis reference chris davis would have had to have hit 70 home runs every single year for that contract to make sense for them you know yeah because you're not getting a star like that anytime soon so you gotta make the most of that five-year window that you have him signed and get so much beyond the value of the contract that it is unlike anything you've ever seen before you know like that's the problem it's a huge bet I want to make. I'm not, I'm not saying they can't. They can't. They can't do it. Or they're. I'm sure they've. They've broken down all the numbers. They know where they stand. It's a very big bet. It's a. It's a dick mm-hmm. on the table kind of move. You know, <laughs> like you. You've. You've put it all out there. I do want to make a note for posterity. We've been trying. I've been trying to transition to the next topic for the last ten minutes <laughs> yeah, after sorry. Corey sent me a message reminding me of it. But I just realized he was trying to work out a "put my dick on the table" reference, and now we got it. So now we can move now on. Now we can move on. So speaking of putting your dick on the table, uh, it looks like everybody in California is basically just walking around with no pants. Um, and by that, I just mean they don't give a fuck in California anymore. Yeah. Nobody here gives a fuck about anything. Um, and we were discussing. Uh, a little game of stupid or selfish. And I do lean more towards selfish that people are just fucking unbelievably selfish in this, this city in particular. Yeah. It's just like, wait, wait, it doesn't affect me. So why should I care about it? Um, but also I know a lot of dumb people. So at the same time, I'm like, maybe it's a little bit of stupid on top of the selfish. Well, the it's stupid, hard to say. stupid can beget selfish, I think. So it's not necessarily one way or the other. But basically, the I mean, like, <laughs> sorry, wait, <laughs> we got a comment in the Discord. Yeah, and everybody, you can make sure you can join us while we do our live recording on the Discord. You can put in comments there, or you can comment on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch or wherever you are. We get the comments all in one place. Discord just puts you right in. And uh, Roxanne Cruz, who's watching on Facebook, said, "Corey Baker, can you send me the same instructions you sent your mom for HBO Max?" <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't instructions. It was like a 45-minute phone call. That's basically how. <laughs> Apparently, you have to talk every old lady who watches our show <laughs> through the instructions on downloading HBO Max. Oh, anyway, another, another comment will be coming <laughs> shortly. I can feel it. I can feel the keyboard churning from here. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, stupid or, still, stupid or selfish? I... I mean, like, I, I think the problem is that most of, at least in my mind, most of where these cases are coming from are people who are just throwing parties and having a bunch of people over and saying, like, oh, I'm safe, it'll be fine, and not, like... Uh, lying to their significant other about where they go shopping on the weekends? I, I think that there's a lot of people who are having, like, the, the parties in the hills was like a big thing for a while. I don't know if it's still happening as frequently as it was before, but like, no, no, they all got COVID. So they're not doing anything. 
I mean, it, it, it's it, it's just like people are wearing their masks. People are are distancing from what I can tell whenever I go out and stuff like that. It's just like I don't know, like it, it, everyone thinks that you just go go inside a house and you take off your mask and you're OK. Like it's not it's getting to the point where you have to worry about it in places. Where you, you have to get even more strict about your rules than you did before. And people are less inclined to get strict about the rules. You know, they felt like we've already been through the strictest part of this. I'm not going back. Also, I don't know how if you've been to downtown, but did you see the before they shut down all dining, which they've mm. done again, thankfully, did you see some of the outdoor dining facilities? Yeah, they had built like walls and a roof and yeah. partitioned off so that and I was like, oh, so outdoor dining is basically just a building now. We've made a building on this out on the, <laughs> the, the sidewalk, a building with airflow. That. Yeah. Yeah, and we're gonna call that a uh, an outdoor dining well, I mean, experience. You know, you, you got to see what it's what it's like on the East Coast where it's getting cold. Oh yeah, like I'm in sure. New York, it's not just like a ramshackle tent. It's like literally like a shed that's been built outside with like heaters and shit. And it's yep. just like that's not quite outdoor dining just because it's outside the walls of your business. Yeah, and it, it's, listen, me, me sitting my ass on the sidewalk watching a homeless guy walk right past me does not make this outdoor dining if there's glass between me and the homeless guy. Like, I mean, I'm indoors now. Here, here's the real problem is that, like, I, I feel awful for restaurants and people who are just trying to make an honest living and people who are, are just getting, like, this isn't the, you know, the fact that, that nobody has figured out that we need to subsidize people who are struggling here. Like, that's that's the real key key to getting through this, like. There, there was a video that was making all the rounds everywhere with uh, a woman here in Southern California somewhere, like saying that the state has shut her down and she doesn't know how she's going to make ends meet. And she's got all Orange these employees. County. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. She was on Fox News. I saw her. Yeah, and uh, you know, she showed off her outdoor dining area, and it was, you know, it looked perfectly fine to me as far as like as safe as you could possibly make it. Mm-hmm. And she was upset because the film crew was shooting basically under the same pretenses right next to her. Now, I imagine that all those people were spread out a little bit more than the restaurant would. And uh, being a film shoot, you got to get tested like every single day. Yeah. Which is not the same as what's going on with all the customers who come to your restaurant. Wait, wait you mean but, the strangers who show up with money to take what you've prepared for them? Yeah, but I mean, That's like, not the I, same I, as a close knit. I, 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 I'm not, this isn't trying to be like a film versus restaurant conversation, but it's like, you know, we're, this is not necessarily the, the fault of, the film crew, <laughs> like we're all trying to do no. we're all trying to make do i feel terrible for literally everyone who is struggling in any kind of way f- because of this because it could be avoidable i mean people yeah. could be when when we were getting six hundred dollars before it was making it a lot easier for people to find a way through a little bit you know and business go out to eat a little bit like order order delivery more often. yeah i mean you know and and some restaurants are going to struggle because they're not ready for you know, like delivery or takeout, you know, like I'm sure uh, some high end restaurants that are about the experience are not doing well right now because well, it's hard to justify a $90 steak when it's a $10 piece of meat in a really nice building. Yeah. I know. Not in a really a, nice building. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. And like, I feel sorry for them, but you know, it's sort of how it happens sometimes, you know, like I, I, there's no perfect solution. That's the problem. And I mean, like we talked so much about last week about the, uh, sort of arbitrary nature of how these rules are, you know, like, oh, we're going to go from 35% to 20% in retail areas and stuff like that. And, like, how do you come up with those yeah. numbers? And uh, what do you, 
And no situation is going to be perfect. The outdoor dining that works out wonderfully in Santa Monica probably doesn't work downtown. And the one mm-hmm. that works downtown probably doesn't work in, you know, North Hollywood or something like that. You know, it's not it's, like it's a very big city and people you have to have rules that cover everybody everywhere. Yeah. But the other thing that I think people keep forgetting is, by the way, four out of five restaurants fail in the first three years. Two out of five fail in the first year. So there's a lot of places that are like, well, we just opened our doors and now it looks like we're gonna have to close. Like, great. I'm sorry. You're a statistic. That, that's kind of how it works. Not yeah. everybody survives their first year and especially their first three years. But in the end, it has never been a better time to be a restaurateur and <laughs> to be forced to do delivery. There are multiple options. And apparently the sign up for Uber Eats is unbelievably easy. And all you need is a laptop that can open up a website. And you have a USB connection from that to a printer, and it'll print off all your tickets just like it was in your kitchen. Yeah, but I mean, from my so from the perspective of somebody who worked at a restaurant and was on the other end of Uber Eats trying to convince us to be on their platform. <laughs> yeah, uh, it it is not a good deal for the the restaurant because they take a percentage to lower the delivery fee. Is it? Is it better deal than closing your doors and firing all your employees? No, it, it's a better deal than that for sure. But okay, well, I, I don't know. That. No, but I mean, like, it, it's like one of those uh, uh, stupid uh, or selfish. Stupid or selfish. You want to do it your way, yeah. And if it's not your way, you're just going to complain about it. But what no, I'm saying I, is, there are options. You're not willing as the restaurateur to embrace them. That's on you. You have to fire everybody and close your doors. That's on you. No, you but made I, that decision. It's like, uh, uh, you know, some people are, are very against Amazon because they close the small businesses in your area. Right. So imagine if you're Do struggling. Hold on. Imagine. Imagine if all of a sudden all you had to turn to was Amazon. That was the, your last resort. Right. Mm hmm. You mm-hmm. you are not feeling great about it. You're saying I have to do this because I can't leave my house and I need eggs and Amazon will bring eggs to me and yep. I have no other service that's capable of doing this thing. And I promised I'd never give Amazon money. But here I am. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these places didn't want to give Uber Eats money for delivery, not because they didn't want to have some sort of delivery service, but because they didn't want to be charged 25 percent of every dollar that comes in through that that purchase because margins are so thin already that you can't how, just ex- you can't just leave a huge percentage like that off the table off the top, you how know. Else is Uber going to influence entire elections if they don't <laughs> get your money to subsidize their delivery? You're fees? so in. You're so into the capitalists just taking advantage of the situation, just strong arming this thing. It's it's like talking See, to I'm, a new Rob. No I'm social media my- for a week has made you a <laughs> made you like a little Ayn Rand compilation. I'm taking my Trump 2016 application of politics and I'm applying it to the economy where it's just like, if I point out that this is capitalism and how it works, that maybe people will just be like, you there's gotta be a better way for us to organize this system. And I'd be like, you're right. Sit down, buddy. Let me tell you about socialism. <laughs> everyone, Wait, must, everyone must purchase volcano insurance. Do we have a volcano anywhere near us? No, but Not you need yet. to vol- <laughs> Bridges Volcano Insurance. It's but very it's- expensive. It's prohibitively expensive. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, no, first of all, uh, also, uh, the biggest comment I get from people is not the, oh, it's, I don't want the government to own my stuff. And that's when I say something like, you're talking about communism, which I'm also for. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll take You're for so many fight. of the things. 
Uh, yeah, socialism is sharing the wealth. Communism is sharing the property. So yeah. what I'm saying is let's share the wealth. If you don't like the way that these things are breaking down, then what we should do is create a system where everyone benefits from the wealth, not just a few people, because money begets more money and no money begets homelessness. And uh, I don't want to be homeless. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's not, it's, 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 this is how it's going to be for the next few uh, months where I just take that 2016 stance of like, maybe if I point out how bad it is, we'll burn it all down. Yeah. Now, what I didn't take into account before starting that argument was it worked swimmingly with the Trump election in 2016, but also <laughs> backfired. Worked, but backfired so much, uh, if you understand. Uh, didn't get the revolution, just got the shitty president who didn't know what he was doing. Uh, he like, got some kind of revolution. Yeah, uh, uh, like not uh, no mask mandate, uh, not being pr Operation Warp Speed, getting us a vaccine, which we then cannot distribute to anyone because uh, uh, what, as you pointed out uh, in our pre-show call, we, the U.S. purchased, pre-purchased a bunch of vaccines. And then Pfizer or Moderna, one or the other said, well, we need more money to make this. So we're pre-selling more. U.S., you bought a bunch of them. We'll offer you some more. And the Operation Warp Speed was apparently like, no, no, we're good with what we have. And they sold those to other countries. And now they're like, all right, here's our first batch of 300 million. And uh, the U.S. is like, oh, we're getting all of that, right? And they're like, oh, no, we already pre-sold these. Here's the 100 million you pre-bought. What about the rest of them? Well, we pre-sold those to other countries. Well, that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> um, that's capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Um, so essentially there are 60 million people in our phase one rollout that states are putting out, which yeah. is frontline workers like uh, nurses and doctors, people in hospitals, uh, also police, fire, anyone who, who uh, power workers are actually on that list, by the way, which is good. I didn't think about that ahead of time, but I'm like, yes. Uh, also uh, communications companies like uh, Spectrum, they their uh, people will get it. Great. Because if I have to be locked in my apartment with no power <laughs> and, and no, no internet, internet. <laughs> there will be a revolution. I will tell you that. I will take <laughs> to the streets. Um, this is the only thing keeping me docile is Netflix and Hulu at this just, point. And HBO just see eight air conditioner just flying out on the Quenga, just like I've had enough. <laughs> Attica, Attica. I'm on the corner. I'm standing on a box. There's a small crowd around me, and uh, you know, um, at least at least your tattered robes will be the most amazing Technicolor Mister Masterpiece. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was going to say Louis B. Mayer was going to come out of a hotel and make some derogatory comments about me, but he's been dead for a while, so I'm sure I'll be fine. Um, by the way, did you notice who was playing Upton Sinclair? Oh, Bill Nye? Bill Nye. Yeah. It snuck up on me. I heard the voice. I'm like, I know the voice. And then it's like, you see him off in the distance. I'm like, oh, it's Nye. The worst part about that for me as somebody who likes Upton Sinclair, I have the I have yes. a copy of The Jungle right here, uh, and uh, why is the price tag still on it? What do you? It's still wrapped up in the paper. That's not, not. Do, do you want me to show you the wear of my my copy of The Jungle? Is that what you require? No, no I okay. I, I like Upton, I liked Upton Sinclair. Never knew he actually ran for office. That was news to me when I watched uh, a lot. Uh, watched he ran a Bank. lot. Yeah, I did, I had lost. no idea. I lost he, a lot. I thought he just wrote. <laughs> so, that was news to me. Yeah, uh, he was Eugene V. Debs light. Uh, Eugene V. Debs was like a communist who then was like, no, no, seriously, I'm a socialist. Here, this is what we're going to do. And everybody's like, nah, you're a communist. We know. And then Upton Sinclair was like, hey, I'm not a socialist. I just want all of these things that seem like socialism. And a bunch of Republicans were like, seems like a socialist to us. Um, and yeah, he he got, res like, like Debs, 
got resoundingly beaten anytime he ran for anything important. So, um, but to wrap up on the COVID news, uh, so we don't skip over it. Um, the only thing left to really talk about other than uh, stupid and selfish, how many people are sick and that the current administration has done nothing is that the people we were praising just a few months ago, specifically our local folks here, Garcetti and Newsom, have managed to squander all of that political capital and all of that moral high ground because they're also selfish and stupid. Yeah. I mean, more so the stupid, I think. I mean, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I feel like the weight of California's I don't give a fuck about what you're saying, Newsom, extends directly to the French laundry thing. Because, like, he literally did not need to do this. And it, it was a convenience for him to go to an indoor dining place when nobody else could and just the the fact that he did something like that and now he's like now everyone's got to be extra good all the boys and girls need to be extra good santa's watching it's just like fuck you yeah i'm not i don't give a shit i don't care what you have to say and garcetti much the same way only in a different way like garcetti i don't feel like has done things wrong from like a planning covid scenario like i feel like we know of well i mean like there definitely have been have been problems here but i mean like i'm not saying it seems like uh they haven't taken their eyes off the ball of trying to do what they can to uh limit death as as much as humanly possible obviously there's people in the business community who are not happy with him for shutting things down but he's making a calculation on that regard more than anything it's just the fact that Literally any situation that you put a microphone in front of his face, he says the wrong thing. And yeah. it just adds to the same sort of fuck you Newsome attitude of the whole thing. Like, he just can't – it would be so easy. Like, literally go as left as you possibly think you can in whatever answer you give. Just channel your inner Rob up until <laughs> today's episode of the podcast. Or uh, uh, guillotines. There's a nice zone in there like, between guillotines I mean, and <laughs> – I mean, like uh, you know, it, honestly, if Garcetti had just gone up to a, a g- gone up to a podium, it's just like, what do you think about your police department? It's just like, think I'm about to invest in guillotines. I imagine most of LA would still be okay with them. I mean, they're that's be, actually <laughs> probably true. I mean, like, it's not like they'd be like, they'd be like, oh, you went too far. Like, th- there would be LA being like, oh, it's just Garcetti being Garcetti. It's fine, no problem. You see, <laughs> no problem here. Rev clubs out there with their signs. Garcetti's been X'd out off the sign. They're like, he's cool with us. All right, moving on. Who else? But I mean, like, you know, he's just like literally everything that isn't COVID. He's he's bungled like crazy. And even yeah. the COVID things, when he tries to do like do what he thinks is best, he just steps in it in some other way. Like so in the the order that was put out that has so many holes in it. It's just like a stay at home order unless you don't feel like being there kind of thing. Right. <laughs> yes, that's basically how it's. <laughs> There's an exemption for podcasting. We could literally do this in person and totally be within the realm of the law because uh, we're allowed to patient Sarah over there at the studio. <laughs> we're allowed to congregate for podcasting because it's essential business. Um, well, I find it to be essential. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if my podcast feed was empty tomorrow, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. So. Yeah. Um, but, I, it, 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 you know, they put out this thing uh, where it's just like, don't walk, drive, scoot, or bike, or take a metro any more than you need to. And then a bunch of right-wing people take that as like, Garcetti bans walking to counteract COVID. Yeah. It's like, clearly, that's not what he meant. 
Like, he, and meanwhile, I'm on my scooter, like, Wee! if you need to go to lunch or go to work or go to the store or something like that, then yes, feel free to go out and take a bike or a scooter or a car or whatever you need to do. But it, he was just saying, like, don't just go out because you got nothing better to do and you feel like going out, unless yeah. you're like, if you're like exercising or you need to walk the dog or any of these things, like, it's fine. But don't just say like, "Hey, it's Tuesday and I'm bored in my house, so I'm gonna walk around downtown." Like that's not a good way of keeping yourself healthy in this situation, you know? Like, or uh, you could everyone could do what you did and just um, invest in pee pads as flooring and just put them everywhere, and then you don't have to worry about walking the dog at all and exercise. Yeah, I got a picture of Corey sleeping that was during his exercise period this week, so I got uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no further comment on that. But I'll say that uh, Garcetti is setting himself up for a 2024 run then clearly, because if there's anything I've seen over the last four years, and especially the last few months, it's the president just needs to know how to say the wrong thing every single time a microphone is put in his face, <laughs> uh, including claiming that a campaign is not over and that there was fraud, despite everyone, including his own people and his news network. Well, not all I mean, of his people. But most of his people, uh, the ones who aren't certifiably insane and also calling witnesses from my dating past to <laughs> speak before Congress, uh, all, other than those people, then well, yes, they. Uh... Well, I mean, I, I think we should skip down to the bottom item here and say that uh, there was recently a a, uh, a poll put out there amongst all the Republicans in, in the Congress, both the Congress and the Senate, 249 mm -hmm. in total. Mm hmm. Two of those people said that Trump had won the election and this was all a big sham, right? By the way, those two people who are now lame ducks, they're facing being put out. So mm. uh, then two or 27 of them said that Biden won. So those, uh, are people who've been called rhinos. Most yeah. of those people have been called rhinos before anyway. So they're they're already like. We know Trump doesn't like us. We're going to say what we want. And then the remaining 220 would not say whether or not Trump won or lost. They're they're not they're not feeling comfortable enough about the situation to call it at the moment. And those are just cowards. Those are what we yeah. call Republicans today who are just like, well, listen, for six weeks, literally almost everyone guy. in the party. That's that's yeah. basically for six weeks. Got to make sure that that guy doesn't push the big red button that's been on his desk for four years. And he's been Mitt asking us, is it really hooked up? Is it really hooked up? Just Mitt Romney and 26 of his friends. <laughs> uh but yeah um the the uh the cases continue they continue to lose Sydney powell well, this will probably be the last time we get to reference her because the one thing that she had filed after she had been kicked off the legal team has now been thrown all out of court as well so yeah. they're done uh and rudy unfortunately has covid now Surprise, the guy who'd been traveling around the country, shaking hands with a bunch of people, not wearing a mask, has the coronavirus. Uh, so, you know, um, the legal uh, team that was basically being held together by his hair grease and spray tan will now dissipate in the water that is the coronavirus. You have defeated the mighty legal tribunal of Trump? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, uh, logic and reason defeated the tribunal of Trump. <laughs> And apparently uh, COVID as well uh, thrown in. Um, but uh, the other, the only other stuff, the uh, biggest story is the week. Georgia is recertifying their results because uh, Kemp got called out by the president. And he was like, no, I'm not going to not going to send two 
state electors. Yeah. Uh, if they recertify the vote, then we'll just send the electors that are there. Because apparently there was a, a vote, a recount, a certification, and then another recount, which didn't undo the first recount. It uh, added votes to Biden yeah. at the end of the second recount. But apparently somebody went into court and made a legal argument that that result had not been certified, even though it improved the uh, position of the opposition candidate. Well, the other the other thing was the third one is a hand recount. Yeah. So the second one was just like, let's run them all through the machines again. And then yeah. the third one was that let's look at every single ballot by hand and figure out what the total was. And, you know, for for Linwood and uh, what's her Powell. face? Powell. Sydney. Yeah. Cindy Powell. Like their whole argument was the the Dominion voting machines are changing the votes. So after the after they were done with the hand count and the vote was essentially the same exact thing. Well, like, improved for Biden. Improved for Biden you know, by 44 votes or whatever it was. But I'm still yeah, because like, there know. were some people who didn't clearly mark their ballot and the machine just like counts it as a null. It's like, yes, a vote went through. You didn't we fill in your bubble vote. enough. That's the problem. You got to go all the way to the edge. All those years in school <laughs> and you didn't figure out how to fill out a bubble. <laughs> but yeah. So is this, I, what is it? This is purple glitter pen. Why would you think that? How many bubbles have you filled out in your life? Is this Number blood? <laughs> is this blood? You don't need this for a vote for Joe Jorgensen. I mean, she's gonna lose. I think she, re she requires it. Though. <laughs> she requires the vote be in blood. Uh, it's part of the covenant that you form with her. Uh, speaking of the covenant, uh, Trump has also formed a covenant uh, with the people who support him to the tune of a two hundred million dollar backing. Not yeah. blood, but close, I guess. Money, money. hard-earned money, yeah. um, which he's using for the legal fight to undo the election which technically means he can spend it on whatever he wants but no a quarter of it has to go to the rnc well yeah but so the rest of it is so basically uh if you were a trump if you donated money to trump or put your name on his e email list or something like that at any point in the last five years here you have been getting bombarded since the election with emails every single day from, you know, various like, hey, it's Donald Trump Jr. And I noticed you haven't given money to the legal defense fund and stuff like that. Uh, I, I saw hey, I saw somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I can't come to the phone right now, but here's a letter. <laughs> and no, I noticed you haven't given to the <laughs> defense fund. How am I supposed to get back into court <laughs> without your support? So anyway, this uh this super PAC, which has been raising money for the legal defense fund, quote unquote, uh, yes. has brought in two hundred million dollars. Like you said, twenty five percent of that goes to the RNC, and then the rest of it is just available for Trump, I guess, to because he can literally take all this money as long as he uh, files it as income. Well, so to be clear, he is not a member of the super PAC. But it's basically his cronies who run it. So yeah. he could give himself a paycheck and say, hey, I'm going to do one speech a month every month for the next four years until the election. What's $150 million divided by, by uh, $150 million? A million dollar a month speaking fee is what I would like to get. Yeah. And they're like, that sounds like a good investment of money. And a million dollars a month goes into Trump's pocket so long as he claims it as income. And he does do a speech. Then there's yeah. no law has been broken because capitalism. But I mean, like, you know, you need to buy him a new suit like that can come from that because it's going to be yep. something he wears on one of these speeches or, you know, haircut or <laughs> anything about living his day to day life. Like these can all be part of part of uh, 
the money that he gets uh, from the people who are trying to fund his legal defense fund. Yes. Of which there are no results, <laughs> no no positive results whatsoever. But but does, I'm going to hit up that, that super pack and see if maybe we can get a few shimoleons uh, to get you a haircut since I just found <laughs> out the haircuts are covered. Uh, I'll be giving myself my sixth haircut, which means a full year now of haircuts. Should I just start a start a super pack of my own, the the Corey Cuts? Corey uh, cuts yeah, back. For, you'll never actually cut your hair, so then it would be a fraud for them to give you that money. <laughs> I mean, eventually, eventually I will. Eventually. Well, I mean, listen, uh, it, getting whatever Floyd the Barber, EDM, <laughs> pop punk, comb over thing, I don't consider that a real haircut, all right? I'm going to need you to get a, all right. a, a high enough. and tight. A high and tight. Just keep it nice. Very Republican, all right? If I give my money... I expect a Joe Namath. No, I expect a. Uh, now, now, Johnny Unitas. There's a, cla- a Unitas. There's a haircut you can set your watch to. <laughs> I expect the Johnny Unitas, not the Joe Namath, to show up when I give my money to that super pack, and I just know that's not the case. So, um, speaking but, of Republicans, though, yes, they're also apparently turning on Fox News because uh, Trump went down to Georgia to try and raise awareness for the. Wait, to Senate Trey candidates. Have a song about that? Trump goes down to Georgia. Oh, is the devil have... goes down to Georgia. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. I always get those confused. <laughs> uh, and apparently, when the Fox News reporters were doing their their stand up there, there was a bunch of angry people in the crowd who were chanting things like "We trusted you" and "Traitors" and uh, you know, "Why aren't you defending the president?" and blah blah blah. Uh, and uh, so much so that people have stopped watching Foxes religiously. I mean, like. The opinion shows, the Tuckers, the Hannity's and stuff like that, they're mm-hmm. still doing well. But, uh, yeah, the, the Fox is not number one in the ratings for news networks right now. And they're losing a lot of their audience to the far right versions, the OANs, the Newsmaxes. And it's a very interesting time because it, 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 there's a, a long history of these far right uh like kind of substitutions for Fox news that come up and then instinctive or like at some point along the line, they get sued out of existence. (laughs) Oblivion. Yes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, I mean like, no, they still exist. Alec Jones still exists. He still makes a podcast. It's just all ranting about crazy conspiracy stuff, not political stuff anymore. Cause he's like, I'm not wading in that water. Well, and I mean like some, some of these places that have, pushed it further to the right have avoided the lawsuit like Breitbart I don't think has really been sued for like defamation or anything like that Mm -hmm. yet Um, and Infowars has been sued for things but they kind of keep kicking the can down the road on that one and you know like there's other ones that just fold didn't the blaze just fold I can't remember Uh, No, it got got bought by uh, somebody Um, but that was uh, the guy who used to be on MSNBC was on the blaze right yeah Um, and then he was on Fox yeah yeah, I feel I uh, feel like the Blaze got bought by MSNBC or NBC Universal because there was something about him like going off the network. He was just mm. like, "No, I'm not going to be." He basically they he left and went to Fox and then went further right to the to the Blaze and then the Blaze got bought by something central or like mainstream media and he yeah. was basically like, "All right, I got to go do a podcast because <laughs> uh, I can't go back to the center. I've gone too far." Um and uh, I guess speaking of going going too far, we are now, uh, what, three weeks from the end of the year, uh, which means that the government funding that's current will run out in three weeks. Uh, the NDAA, the current NDAA, will run out in three weeks. And um, any chance to get a stimulus, a second stimulus in 2020, will run out in three weeks. All three things are being discussed in uh, Congress right now. And the likelihood of any of that getting passed 
seems to be about zero. Uh, the yeah. NDAA, because Trump said he's going to veto it if they don't roll back Section 738, 738 of the Communications Act, whatever it is. 340. 340. He yeah. wants to attack uh, Twitter, basically, for always putting the <laughs> clean Well, and, you know, and Facebook and all the other ones. But yes, I mean, like, it, basically, the NDAA is every single year we have to fund the military. And this is how we do it. Uh, and we've complained about particular NDAAs in the past. Yeah, sometimes uh, they also need to make uh, American citizens into uh, enemy combatants so they can black bag you and take you to a black site somewhere. That right. Is also that, that happens. Uh, yeah. There's also a government funding bill, which is just the same thing we've been doing recently, which is get real, go up to the line and then just do a CR to, to move it along, which I'm sure will happen here. Uh, and then, you know, just general stimulus bills that are, are being discussed. There's one that was like a bipartisan uh, working group that had put it together. Uh, all the all the people who are trying to hold on to the to the center, the, yes. the Susan Collins, the Lisa Murkowski's, the Mitt Romney's. Uh, and Mitch the, basically said no to that. The, the Joe Mansions, they were all in this group. Uh, and I mean, like, I, you know, I, I think that we might get some form of stimulus before the end of the year. Uh, it will be a lot less than people think it will be. Yeah, and right now it's I focusing think, on businesses, not personal checks. Yeah, I mean, so. uh, w what Joe Biden had basically been saying is that this is, uh, think of this as the down payment to what will come once he gets into office kind of thing. But we'll I don't see. know if that <laughs> that's even true either. So yeah. we'll see. But but um, apparently the Democrats are saying they're not going to support the CR if it doesn't include some stimulus or if stimulus isn't handled separately. And the Republicans aren't going to vote for the stimulus package, but they do want to push through a CR so that uh, because both of them are walking this line that says, is the government shutdown during a pandemic going to be a problem for us more than it is for them or the other way around? Yeah. And uh, the same thing happened during Clinton's years, the first major government shutdown we talked about a few uh, years ago when there was another government shutdown. Basically, the Republicans in Congress said that we're going to make the president look terrible. And instead, they looked very petty and it blew up in their faces. Yeah. Second or third time, the Democrats did the uh, the same thing where they were just like, we're going to make the president look terrible by shutting down the government because he won't make a deal with us. Mm. And the Democrats look bad. Um and that's just kind of you never know who's going to look worse. Uh, Trump's going to look bad no matter what, because he's also probably going to go to Mar-a-Lago and not come back. Um, yeah, never. that's been discussed, too. So um, but thankfully, uh, our days of talking about Trump, the president are nearly over six weeks to go, six weeks to go before we can stop talking about that. Can't come soon enough. I know. Uh, but uh, you know what? The one thing we're never going to probably be able to stop talking about, Corey. What's that? Sports ball. Yeah, sports ball. <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm going to let Corey talk because, as he mentioned earlier, I've been off social media for the last seven days. It has been the most freeing experience of my life. And also, I have never felt more like a drug addict than I do during <laughs> these seven days, even in the periods of my life. When I was a drug addict, it doesn't feel <laughs> much like it as I do now. Like picking up my phone and absentmindedly hitting the space on the home screen where my social folder was, and then like hitting it multiple times and like seeing out of the corner of my eye the screen not change, and then being like angry and looking at it and being like, oh, that's right, I moved it. So I wouldn't do this absentminded checking social media thing. Um, 
that's drug addict behavior. That's like, yeah. that's like me cutting up an aspirin on the counter. Like, it's all right, baby. It's, it just, I just gotta get the feeling. I don't, I don't really need the drug. It doesn't feeling, man. Anyway, just anything on my nose will do. <laughs> it's, it's, this is sports ball. <laughs> it's exactly the way sports ball should start. Um, Thank God we don't have sponsors. Jesus Christ. Chevy, baby. This sports ball segment brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, (laughs) You know what else will make you feel like a real addict? FanDuel.com. I'm sure they'd love that. (laughs) Um, So, yes, um, after all the games that have happened so far this week in the NFL, we are left with one remaining game tomorrow, Tuesday, Tuesday Night Football, we have the Ravens and the Cowboys to finish off the week. And looking at the standings, looking at how things are going right now, I'm of the belief, personally, that the Ravens have to win out for the rest of the season to guarantee them a spot in the playoffs. And that doesn't even necessarily guarantee them a spot in the playoffs, but I think it puts them in the best position to to guarantee themselves a spot. Uh, it is just not... There is no room for error right now. And it, uh, the only really challenging game we have from this point on is the Browns who are next week I believe next week on Monday Night Football what so, is 2020 what yeah is 2020 for the first time in 18 years the Browns are looking like they'll make the playoffs so there's that uh, um and the Steelers were unbeaten until this week oh my god yeah and then they lost to a football team can you believe it <laughs> Wait, a, a semi-professional football a real team? Like a real semi-professional football team <laughs> They got uniforms and everything. Um, I, I I just, I'm holding out hope that the Ravens, last week, they looked competitive, even though it was mostly practice squad people, like <laughs> third stringers who were playing against the Steelers. But they really kept it competitive, and I was, I was proud of them. And RG3 uh, is on injured reserve because he can't play a full game. Uh, we, we should have factored this in when we made <laughs> RG3 our backup. Uh, but... I you know I I was proud of how they played even though they lost I was expecting them to lo- to lose so that wasn't uh too far out of left field I I'm most worried now about just them walking into some game thinking that they got it and then getting surprised by some team tomorrow in Dallas is one of those one of those days where I'm just like I'm super concerned that Dallas is going to come ready to play they gotta they gotta leave it all out on the field. They're falling back in their division race. They they only have three wins, but that's still <laughs> good Who's enough leading? to put them close to the lead in the NFC East. Who's leading that division? Uh, Washington now. Oh, the semi-professional yeah. football club or whatever it is. Yes, yeah. Because they're five and seven or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I would hope that the Ravens have been had that beaten out of them. That like, oh, we just got to show up and we're going to win. Like, I get that week one, week two. I get it. Yeah. We're too far along, and you've done too much at this yeah. point to have that attitude walking out on the field. Yeah, there, there there needs to be there needs to be this is our Super Bowl every week from here on out kind of feelings. And I know it's easy to like look past a team like the Jaguars who we're going to be playing at some point, but you really got London? Is that a London game? <laughs> no, no they they threw out the London games in the the pandemic. Thank God. <laughs> thank God. What's the point of going to London to play in front of no fans when? Can well, play the Ravens no, have no lost, fans at home. Ravens have already lost one game to COVID. Let's hope that they uh, don't. If they had to travel to London, we'd end up losing three more. So. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I, holding out hope now for the for the Ravens to do well tomorrow in Dallas. Uh, I, I especially I don't know how many other fantasy people out there are uh, holding out hope for some sort of amazing miracle to to uh, come forward. I know I am one of those people because I am currently losing by let's see here, forty points. <laughs> so, uh, and the. My opponent still has Tucker, so that that number will go up. But uh, yeah, I basically need like a fifty part fifty point game from Lamar tomorrow, or if oh, for wow. what, or if for whatever reason Lamar doesn't start, Andy Dalton needs to provide me that fifty point game. So I am winning by sixty. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the fucking weirdest wow. final week of the NFL uh, NFL fantasy uh, season in a while, too. I think. It, oh, it is just this the final like, week? Yeah. Because no. next week starts the playoffs, so I don't even know if I'm in the playoffs. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, if you win and uh, a couple people lose, I think you were you were right tied up with a bunch of people. So if I lose okay. and Burns loses and you win, then I think you're in. Oh, all right. So, so uh, really hoping that you don't get those forty points in tomorrow. Uh, not that I really care, honestly. <laughs> it's been that kind of season, but I didn't even change my team for three consecutive weeks. So I was just like, it is fine. Let it and roll. I- uh, there's not really anything too serious left here in sports ball, but I figured I would just throw them out here because people were talking about it. Uh, the Jets, Greg Williams going out there with the zero blitz at the end of that game, one of the most unbelievable, weird pieces of strategy I've ever seen. People all over the place are on the conspiracy theory that that play was called so that the Jets would lose the game and get mm-hmm. the number one overall pick. Rob, what say you? Do you think that a defensive coordinator would throw a would would put in a awful play call at the end of a game to lose for the number one pick? Well, I compare considering it to, he got fired today. <laughs> I compare it to if you have the number one running back possibly in the history of the game, or they think so at that point, and the Super Bowl is on the line. What play do you run? I mean, any I would, running play, I any get, running yeah. play. <laughs> Give it to beast mode, I guess, is what I'm... Give it to, give it to me. And by the way, uh, did you see the Thanksgiving video of beast mode from uh, when he was on uh, the Seahawks? No. Oh, when he talked to Richard Sherman, he's just like... Yeah. No, no, give I'm him going, back I'm... to my community. Yeah, but he's like, uh, Christmas, man. I think about Christmas. I gotta get to Thanksgiving. I'm going home. I'm gonna give out turkeys in my neighborhood. I'm like, yo, how much money can I give Marshawn Lynch to just... <laughs> become i don't know uh, a mayor of a city or something <laughs> like i know that man he is the real deal he would change shit uh but anyway um my favorite part about marshawn lynch is literally anytime you put him in some sort of situation he just like excels at it like yeah he was yeah. i remember he was in like a kickball game it was like he had a, a charity kickball game and like you look at him and he's just like he, he looks like a fucking cadillac or something like that he's too big to be like a real person <laughs> And you're just like, there's no way this guy is going to be able to kick that ball com- in a compelling way. And he hits it, and it nearly goes to the moon. Like, <laughs> and he then hit there was a child a- in the outfield, and that child is now dead. <laughs> there was that another was one. He, he did a show on like Facebook or something like that for a little while, and I think he had like <laughs> a he had like some sort of box jump that he did where it was just like you know six and a half feet worth of box jump, I think. And I was just like, no way. Like he's an athlete, yeah, sure, but like. <laughs> You're talking about leaping, you're jumping your height, leaping your height and <laughs> and landing flat on your, your feet. And it was just like yeah. you did it. I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to never doubt this man. 
And yes, then, <laughs> never doubt Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> unless but, you're uh, Pete Carroll. <laughs> then you doubt but, Marshawn I was going to say, unless you're Pete Carroll, because uh, the answer that that Rudel is that Pete Carroll decided to throw an out route to the slot receiver, which got batted down, and they lost picked. the Super Bowl. Picked. Was it picked? Oh, it was picked. That's yeah, right. Malcolm picked. Jennings picked it. So uh, I, it really comes down to uh, you end up being the villain or a genius, because if that play had worked, you could have argued, listen, I knew – they were going to stuff Marshawn. I mean, he's a great athlete, but you put 10, 10 men in the box. And I mean, every, get... everyone knew it was a running play. How could it not yeah. be a running play? Yeah. Um, and much like that, uh, you wouldn't think that with, you know, 15, 20 seconds left on the clock, they're clearly going to throw a Hail Mary, that the, zero, that the, uh, the house blitz is the thing to run. But if they had sacked him and that had been the last play of the game and they'd shut it down, then you look like a genius because you didn't even give him the chance to put it up and see what happens. Just brought the house, sacked him, game over. Yeah. But much like Pete Carroll, uh, although Pete Carroll was kind of fireproof, because, uh, you know, Pete well, he Carroll. Made it, he, uh, <laughs> made, he made that mistake in the Super Bowl. Super that Bowl. helps. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy enough. Listen, when you're in the Super Bowl and you make a you make a questionable call, like, at least you made it. You were in the, yes. you were in the, the position to possibly win this thing. It didn't work out. Everyone's real upset, but you know you were right there. That's what you play for. The Jets are are a winless team. 12? No, they haven't won a game. They're winless. Oh, yeah, okay. they're winless. They had a chance oh, to yeah. win a game. They had yeah, a, they had yeah. a, a chance to, for one week where none of these players would have reporters come up going like, "Hey, do you think you're going to not win a game all season?" <laughs> like, <laughs> like th- these are all professionals who want to like be treated like professionals, and none of them like the idea of being on a joke team like the Jets. And here we are. Here we are. I think in the end, uh, that was it. It was like, I'm going to be a genius. When they pull this sack out and they put it down, I'm going to be a genius. And then as the ball is flying through the air, he, he just like watches his career go away. Yeah. He's like, I'm getting fired tomorrow. Uh, especially because it, it was like, man, bring the house, man, coverage on the outside. And the guy just got outrun and he just put the ball up in the air and just like run underneath and catch it it's but the the problem is the the play right before that they almost threw a hail mary there like yeah it it was just a little bit overthrown but like (laughs) it's like got the distance now here there was a receiver on the other side of the secondary like towards the goal line like if if the ball had connected it would have been a touchdown there too so how are you not running plays that have like at least one guy just standing in the end zone (laughs) In case. Because he did the like, math. He was like, I only blitzed six on that last play. If I bring the house, if I, we're going to bring the seven. Play. I got it. There's no way. They don't have something. They don't have anything they can do to defend seven guys running at them. Uh, oh, there. Yeah, I'm going to get fired. Oh, wait. Yep. There it is. Okay. <laughs> the same thing goes with the Chargers, though, because Anthony Lynn has just been on the hot seat, especially in L.A., like the four Charger fans that I, I see on Twitter all the time. They uh they are not happy with Anthony Lynn. And you would think that you're like waking up in the morning and you're just like, all right, we're playing the Patriots. They're not a great team, but they're definitely a good team. You can't Cam take Newton's them lightly. Back, right? What? Cam, Newton, Cam Newton was playing. Yep. And you're just, but you're just like, you got to take them seriously. You, this is an yeah. opportunity to show we're not as bad of a team as we are. We can beat the Patriots and we can, we can get a little bit of momentum here. And then you get blown out 45 to nothing. And I don't understand how did you do you ever have a job where you just had that fucking attitude after a while? You're just like, I don't care if I get fired. Like me. No, <laughs> <never>. no. 
<laughs> well, put yourself in that position because I think that's what Anthony Lynn's doing right now. I think he's like, yeah, he's- I'm not going to be a head coach forever, so I might as well just do it the way <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> like Quarterback's in the huddle listening, and then he just announced, I'd like, um, uh, 1843, 74, uh, wing Y7. And then quarterback's like, that's not, that's not a play. He's not calling plays. He's just saying gibberish into the mic. All right, let's just call it the line. Here we go. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny? You're just like, you put your hands up to the helmet. You're trying to listen because of all the crowd noise. And you just hear Anthony Lynn on the other side going like, I don't know. You want to just run it? <laughs> and then it just cuts out. And you're just like. What, what was that? <laughs> you call time. You, you go just, over to the sidelines. He's like, you just, like you just look at Eckler. You're just like, do you want to run it? <laughs> it's like looking at everybody on the team. Just like, I guess we're going to go left. I don't know. It's every pickup game I've ever played where you get back in the huddle and you're like, all right, who wants the ball this time? <laughs> Street yard football. All right. So you're walking you, up to your huddle. Like you, you get the play. You're just like, that doesn't help me. You go, you do it out route. You do a post, you do a comeback. I'm you block you on the comeback. You block that guy and then you move off of him and then I'll hit you in the flat. Like, but by the way, you call who you're throwing to in the huddle. You're just like, all right, listen, I don't know what's going to happen here, but you're going to hit, hit that block and then bounce. Right. I'm going to hit you with the ball. So get ready for it. Keenan, then, be ready. This guy, he's pulling. He's just pulling everybody out. He's just going to go do the post route. Take the secondary out of here. I'm coming to you. I don't I'm not even look at him. Get ready. Here we go. I think I think the only other thing that's worse than having a coach so terrible is to just have all your best players taken from you. As opposed to, as well, opposed Philip to Rivers left. I mean, you know. No, well, I, I'm moving over to to the Orioles here for a second because oh, oh just yes, in yes. the last the week, Jets of the of baseball, if you will, yeah. Just in the last week since we last spoke, our leader in home runs has gone for the is uh, has not been uh, has been designated for assignment. Our batting average leader was designated for assignment, and. One of the three best players of our season last year, somebody who was on a very affordable contract at a shortstop position, Jose Iglesias, was traded last week. So the Orioles have given up three players who who figured prominently on their stat sheet all year last year and for the last couple years here, with the exception of Iglesias. But uh, a, a, fair, a fond farewell to Renato Nunez, Hanser Alberto, and, and Jose Iglesias. I don't exactly understand what the Orioles' plan is here, unless it's just it's like a rebuilding year, Corey. It's a rebuilding yeah, but I mean, like our decade, rebuilding just, decade. Corey. Don't you want to? Don't you want to have some people who like can hit in the meantime? Like, like I we've done this. We've done this. Were, nor that they were on the team, nor how well they did this year. So we've, we've done this thing before, where we're just like, ah, I mean, like you know, we're not going to be good yet, so let's just put Jeff Fiorentino there in left field, and then. And then he's just like, why is he hitting 083? Oh, that's right. He's not very good at baseball. It's like, oh, how much we yearn for the days where we could have a 250 hitter on this club. And then you're letting Hanser Alberto go, hitting 300. I mean, it's a lot of singles, but I mean, like. It could be worse. We could have given him like a $60 million contract and then uh, kept him for the next I mean, I guess guess that's true. We could (laughs) have. We could have thought too too highly of them and, and let them uh, run roughshod all over us, but yes, uh, yeah, I guess that's the way it is. Oh, uh, is that two Chris Davis references in one episode? Oh, you guys, how good you are this week! Mm. Well, I think if you go through the archives, you'll find a lot more. You're gonna have to take your Adderall to do it, but uh, you know where you can go for that. Mm, 
too much of a stretch. Too many, too many moving pieces there. Is that what that was? Where's that going? Oh, the anthem.com. Corey did the anthem.com. Oh, the anthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line 443-219-7595. What's the number again? 443-219-7595. Uh, you can find more of me at my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at uh, LegendCB5 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, I will have a mank review up uh, very shortly. Ooh. And uh, I also was filming a little something something last night, so I hope to have that up shortly as well. And uh, a lot of stoves on the oven, so so pay attention this week because things will be happening. Wait, wait, wait. <clears throat> I was getting prepared for my part. A lot of stoves on the oven? A lot of, oh, a lot of pots on the... Now I'm got all confused because I was going to say oven again. I'm like, no, you don't put pots on the oven. You put pots on the stove. Yeah, love, pots love. on the stove is what I'm dealing yeah, with there right we now. Go. There we go. Yeah, mixing those metaphors. That's uh, amazing. I mean, it wouldn't be an the Anthem podcast without some mixed <laughs> metaphors. <laughs> uh, and, of course, you can find me on social media at Robert N. Cheek, although I won't find myself there for the next month. Uh, you can find uh, more information at robertncheek.com. Uh, we have wrapped up uh, a lot of stuff uh, leading to the end of the year, but new stuff is coming. Uh, new screenplays are getting written. Books are getting written, working on a bunch of stuff. So that's all coming in 2021. Um, if we make it that far, I mean, uh, who's to say, as I said, stupid or selfish. Uh, and Corey is convinced that, uh, we're going to have a vaccine. Everything's gonna be back to normal by fourth quarter next year. And I think next year is when we get the pandemic that really ends it all. And it's given me hope. This is, I, this is something I want to say earlier. And I forgot. This pandemic has given me hope because if we get one that really kills a lot of people, the one thing that this pandemic has really has me upset about is I enjoy the isolation. I enjoy being by myself. But the only thing that the pandemic has really driven home to me is that I just got to get rid of all the rest of these annoying people. And when I do that, I will really enjoy the rest of my life. I have a whole skill set that's waiting to be used. So by next fall, when the next virus comes out, and this one has a really high mortality rate, and all these people are like, no, 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 I've played this game before. I'm going to my New Year's party no matter what. And then they all get it, and they all die. Then I can finally have the world I've always wanted, where it's just me and all my books, and I have all the time to... No, there was time (laughs) My glasses... <laughs> Sorry, guys, I, that was a really old Twilight Zone. Reference. I like, I like the reference. I got it. I was there. I was there for the whole thing. I was actually gonna jump in with the same thing until. Uh, you gotta be quick. Great, be quick on the trigger. Great minds. Well, I didn't want to interrupt you. It's, it's, it's <laughs> tough with the, uh, with the latency of the, the online shows here. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, I feel like I keep saying things and then I'm cutting you off and then I'm like, oh, you go. Every Zoom call. Every Zoom call you've ever been on. Well, tell patient Saro if he can get another clean test. The next week, maybe we'll be back live and in studio. I'm getting tested this week. Assuming, you should go get tested. Assuming Garcetti doesn't shut down the live podcasting part of the essential work. No, doctorate. as we know, that's a, it's essential work. We have to be allowed <laughs> to do it. Um, what I'm concerned about is that uh, patient Sarah over there gets uh, both a COVID test and just general testing for everything, <laughs> being that he spent so much time in Mexico. Just now. I Wait, mean, is that the Ant Rand coming out again? Get, get an oil change or something like that? <laughs> I mean, probably. I I would say. I, I don't know about his girl, but I wouldn't want to be trading fluids with them right now. Just, get get all your fluids weaterized. Well, I think we've done good here today. (laughs) On that note.
<laughs> Thank God we don't have sponsors. Because I, somebody, I just imagine somebody like listening to the show and being like, no, pull the money. <laughs> there was some reference there at the end that I didn't get, but it made me uncomfortable. Uh, I'm going to have to just tell you. <laughs> We've done something. I don't know if it's good. But as always, you're listening to the ODN podcast, part of the ODN Digital Network. For Corey, I'm going to get this one day. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. Uh, bye. <laughs>